being in Christmas Carol and and part of this holiday uh, juggernaut <laughs> it has reminded me of those early years when we did the uh, that other seasonal holiday juggernaut the nutcracker in my, which in my memory we did for like 10 years in a row but that can't possibly be right is it no i don't think it was that long good morning good afternoon good evening whatever it is wherever you are i'm austin titchener one third of the reduced shakespeare company and you're listening to this week's reduced shakespeare company podcast number 836 Growing Up Nutcracker. Did you ever see a tin flute dancing? When we were young, my family was involved with the Metropolitan Ballet Company of Oakland, California. And in addition to working on their other productions, we performed or worked backstage in their annual production of The Nutcracker for at least five years, the numbers are vague, starting in 1970. It seems right now to be the perfect time of year to reminisce about the impact the Nutcracker had on all of our lives. So my brother and sister and I hopped on Zoom last night to talk about it. My sister, Amy Titchener-Moorhead, who in addition to choreographing the Reduced Shakespeare Company's complete millennium musical abridged and appearing in the San Francisco production of Phantom of the Opera for four years, is a director, choreographer, and musical theater dance educator in the San Francisco Bay Area. And my brother John Titchener, who did a Midwest tour of the complete world of sports abridged with us, is an award-winning actor, writer, and director also based in the Bay Area. And we began our conversation by just trying to get the timeline straight. Amy, you did it. You started doing the Nutcracker before John and I, and my memory is, at least the, the, the way that Mom told the story, was that John and I were sitting in the audience watching you up, up on stage at Nutcracker going... Oh my God, that's so so cool! How can we get in on this? Right. Do you remember how old you were when we started? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I started when I was five, and then I went over to San Francisco Ballet when I was eleven. There was the year that I was Clara. First year I was Clara. I was eight. Uh, John was Fritz, and Austin was. Austin, you were um, Drosselmeyer when you were like 12 or 13. Yes. My memory is you did it one year when you were five. Mm -hmm. And John and I tagged along the following year. So Mm -hmm. when you were six, which would make me 11. And John, eight, (laughs) I think. And I I think I was Fritz one, one year. I don't remember how many years I I was Fritz and the and the Lion the Lion King Jesus the Mouse King, um, but then John you you did were you I think you too were Fritz and Clara in the same year right? John was Fritz and Clara. That's right. I was both Fritz and Clara in the same <laughs> in the same performance. In the same. Bizarre double casting, but it worked. Yeah. <laughs> But John, you were Fritz and Amy was Clara. Is that do I have that right? Yeah. Oh, and I was Drosselmeyer. Right. That's that's what I was saying. Oh, that yeah. was the point you were making earlier. Sorry. Yeah. 
And I have that picture hanging in my bathroom. Why I hang it in my bathroom, I don't know. (laughs) My memory is that I was Fritz for at least two years, probably three. I don't recall that I did it, that I was as old as 13 when I did it. But by then I was also doing Peter and Peter and the Wolf. Right. Right. So maybe so maybe I was doing them all at the same in within the same year. I don't recall, but it was four four or five years of of Oklahoma Metropolitan Ballet, which were uh, thrilling and fun and an introduction to a lifetime of uh, theater enjoyment. And the other thing that was cool was that you guys did backstage work for the other ballets that weren't the Nutcracker. Well, yes. and that's where I went after I did Drosselmeyer for a year or two because they were I had outgrown all of the non-dancing roles. Didn't take long. It didn't take long. Yeah. I, I aged out of playing old men even then. The Metropolitan Ballet, is it fair to say that's where we all cut our theatrical teeth? Yeah, that's where all kinds of patterns were set. Um very formative experiences. Because Fred Gurdon was really an acting teacher in addition to being a ballet teacher. Yeah, yeah talk, talk more about uh, uh, Ver, the the comically named, though I did not realize it at the time, Vern Nerden. Um, because he he was. He, he was an acting teacher. And he was also, mom always made this point, he, he, he choreographed ballets that were athletic and muscular and not um effete i think he choreographed ballets for everyone yes um, correct one of my favorite ballets that he choreographed that always sticks with me had a sports theme and the dancers wore athletic shoes and yeah. you know yeah. yeah i remember that um and and just connecting back to your the the point about the acting was that um, when I took his summer programs, we would not only study ballet, but he, there was a, a drama class as part of it. And I still have my notes from that summer ballet program when I was about eight years old, where we learned about the drama history. And it was um, fascinating. We learned about pantomime, classical pantomime. And he was really brilliant and magical. Yes. Uh, wonderful, wonderful teacher. About all aspects of the theater as well and the value of all parts of it, from, from the kid pulling the curtain to the smallest marshmallow <laughs> blowing a raspberry to Mother Goose to the prima ballerinas and and, and um, male leads. I like to think that I appreciated him even then and not just in retrospect. I really thought he was brilliant at the time, not knowing anything about. But a lot of that, I mean, to be honest, a lot of that could have could have had to do with the fact that he liked me. He liked us. Right. He thought we were great. Right. And so I think we returned that. Well, you're great because you think I'm great. And it was it was a big love fest, but he really, but, but, but so I appreciated him even then, but then as I got older and did more theater and worked with more people. And so then in retrospect, I appreciated, appreciated him even more like, like, 
wow, the Oakland theater world didn't know what they had. Yeah. Um, in him, in Ferner. Well, one of the things that mom always said was that he wasn't perhaps, I mean, her take on it was that he wasn't a great businessman, perhaps. Um, so although he was a brilliant artist and a brilliant teacher, he didn't necessarily have the the people skills when it came to business that perhaps Ron Guidi had, the former and deceased artistic director of Oakland Ballet, um, and was able to keep that company going for so long. And um, Vern Nurden didn't quite have those skills. Um, mm -hmm. So that was sad for the Oakland Metropolitan Ballet Company. Yeah, and and... Yeah. I mean, we were lucky to be involved with this. And it started because mom took you, Amy, to Vern's uh, ballet classes at the Academy of Dance in Alameda. Um, uh, but then I don't know when it was. We had been involved with the ballet company for a couple of years before both mom and dad started serving on the board of directors. I think they each took a turn as president at some point. Right. So I remember it, it frequently it was us <clears throat> locking up the the Alice Street Theater at the corner of 14th and Alice in Oakland in the Alice Street Hotel. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's still there. It is. It has a different name now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, were, we were heavily involved. I mean, I remember working the snack bar. Mm. And, and that must have been not during Nutcrackers because I was in Nutcrackers. So it must have been during something else. Working the snack bar, working backstage, um, vacuuming, locking up. Yeah. We probably cleaned bathrooms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mom vacuuming, yeah. I remember my fourth grade class coming to see me as Clara and Nutcracker, and then Bobby Nevin, who was like my boyfriend, having <laughs> too much orange drink at intermission and throwing up. And did mom make you clean that up? She didn't. It was very kind of her. <laughs> but and thus ended I, a great romance yeah but i had taken i tried ballet with one or two other people when i was four years old and i didn't like those classes and then somehow mom found Vern Nerden. i don't know how she found him but when i first took his class i loved it right away because he taught very young children differently than most teachers did and they were very serious grown-up ballet classes from the start for little ones. So in, it was very unique. So instead of running around and blooming like a flower or <laughs> pretending pretending that you were fighting a fire and sliding down a fire pole and running around and doing make-believe, you were standing at the ballet bar and standing in first position and you were doing exactly what the grown-up ballet dancers were doing. You were learning real ballet right away, but um, modified for your age group. And I loved it. And is that how you teach now? That is how I teach now. As a young ballet teacher, when I first started teaching right out of high school, I did have to bring some of that other creative movement into my curriculum because the majority of young children prefer that and I thought oh okay right. I gotta do that for the masses <laughs> it wasn't really what 
my preference had been. Right. Well, I, I do. I mean, we got very, we were very lucky because we grew up in Piedmont, California and the, and the Piedmont high schools certainly situation had a, had a great music and theater program. So we all through our childhoods up through high school, we had a great exposure um, to all of this, but I, but I, I, I have to think that just watching Vern working with dancers and non-dancers and making them all look terrific was helpful to me in knowing that a director needs to be able to communicate with people from at all levels of skill mm-hmm. and to tell a story. None of his, none of all of his ballets were cap, cap gripping, I guess, captivating to me because they all felt like they told a story. They weren't ephemeral movement for movement's sake, I guess. And maybe I'm saying that wrong, but, or inaccurately, but, but I, they always felt like they had a story and a purpose and they used a lot of interesting music like his whole his whole piece dedicated to Holst's the planets was i remember spectacular and i do remember that thing you you were talking about amy the sports related one yeah and i also um give him credit for um my ability to work with with performers of all levels i think that's something i picked up from him to Hi, I'm Kay Titchener. I'm Austin's mother, and you are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? In the first half of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of comedy abridged in Indiana and Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Reston, Virginia, the McCarter in Princeton, New Jersey, and Basalt and Lone Tree, Colorado. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with my brother and sister, John Titchener and Amy Titchener-Moorhead, talking about how we grew up performing The Nutcracker. I've even put The Nutcracker into two RSC shows. I used the music to The Waltz of the Flowers for the song Gay in the complete Millennium Musical Abridged. And in the Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged, we have the Billy Barty Ballet Company performing Lil Nutsy, the Elf Nutcracker. At this time of the year, do you... um, do you guys still get the heebie-jeebies when you hear the waltz of the flowers? Like, oh God, it's starting again. <laughs> Holiday ritual. Absolutely. I mean, I danced in the Nutcracker for almost 20 years. Do you have a but, favorite one that you've done or that one that you've seen? Uh, San Francisco Ballet Nutcracker. Both? Is that both? Which I, which I was in. Yeah. But not, not, um, not their current one. No offense, Helgi Thomason, but um, the William Christensen production, which was the first production of The Nutcracker 
in the United States, which originated in 1944. Wow. But I was in it in the um, late 70s and early 80s. Well, and I remember that was another example, I think, where John and I went to see you in a Nutcracker and went, oh, my God, look, she gets to fly in that sleigh at the very end of it. That is so cool. It was very cool. And I got to do it on New Year's Eve one year. I mean, not New Year's Eve, but Christmas, Christmas Eve. So it was very special. Um, You've done a lot of wire work. Because you were you did wire you had to be on a wire in Phantom of the Opera too, at the end. I did, right? But I wasn't flying; I was only on the wire in case I fell. <laughs> but you still, know. you had to go up, go up to the flies, and crawl down into the sewers. Right? Is that how it right. worked? Climb, climb down. No, the whole idea of of rehearsing late—that was, um, I mean, of the many formative experiences of doing Nutcracker as a kid. That was something I learned, which was often we stayed late, like we were, and and so you sit there and you watch other people rehearse because we were done. We had done our first act party scene, and then the and then the the battle scene between the mice and and the Nutcracker. We had done that, and then like we were done at nine or eight or whatever. But Amy had to stay because she was in the second act. Yeah, and. So we would, I mean, this is my memory is that I'd sit there and watch other people rehearsing for hours and I loved it. Mm. I wasn't bored. I mm. wasn't bored. And that kind of told me, oh, I guess I like it here. I, I like never being, heard that. Yeah, I like being in this. I like hanging out with theater people. I like watching the process. Uh, I learned a ton of watching that process. And it wasn't just watching girls in tights. Well, that was a little bit of it. That was that was that was maybe a lot. Particularly, I yeah. That. I learned I learned so much watching girls in tights. A, I liked it, and B, I had zero game in approaching any of them. <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you said I had zero gay, which <laughs> I wouldn't describe it as zero. Okay, well that's that's good. One of my favorite memories is so. First year on the Nutcracker, age five. So Vern, so I was in the Mother Ginger number. No, he called it. We were the march, the marshmallows that came out from Mother the under the skirt. Yeah. Marshmallows. Yeah, in it was Mother Ginger in um, San Francisco Ballet. But anyway, was it Mary Gigone? Was that what it was called? Gigone was Vern's, and we were the marshmallows. And because I was the littlest one, I guess he made me the one that doesn't go under the skirt. And hides behind and yep. and then she's looking and looking and looking and then you you know and then you come around and then you have to point and laugh and jump and then get under the skirt and she's scolding and in rehearsals i wouldn't do it and in rehearsals in his big studio, all the moms sit lined up against the wall and watch. And in rehearsals, I wouldn't do it. And all the moms would sit there like, <laughs> well, my daughter would do it. And mom was like, <laughs> you could just see mom, right? And mom said something to Vern after one rehearsal, like, 
sorry. And he was like, don't worry about it. She'll do it. She'll do it when there's an audience. She's a gamer. <laughs> and he, he, he knew and he was right. And I remember thinking, I don't understand why I would need to do it when there's not an audience. Which, of course, I had to learn over the years that you do have to do it in a rehearsal. Yeah. But I, I don't know why I thought that, that you don't have to actually do it unless there's an audience. Well, two th two things about that anecdote is that, one, I love it that you're just, you were one of those divas go, I do it on the night. And, um, <laughs> but also, that was such a great comic bit. I mean, that could, that could well be my first appreciation in real life rather than an old movie about how comic bits are constructed because mm -hmm. it was such a great classic of course you would use you because you're the you were the tiniest peanut girl on that stage and that's funny it's funnier when the the little kid does it mm -hmm. right i think that's the why it's often you know it's usually done that way but you know about the late nights uh, so many people will say to me um why do people put their children in theater? It's just terrible, the late nights. And I'm like, I turned out fine. Well, I think I turned out fine. Well, I mean, that's the thing, is that it did not. I mean, interestingly for all of us, it all fueled a passion for theater rather than warning us quite sensibly away from it. Right. And 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 all aspects of it, teach, all aspect of the arts, you know, teaching, writing, <clears throat> performing, directing. My biggest takeaway it, that it, it's still a thing that every every tech rehearsal where wherever I am in whatever theater, I need to go to McDonald's because <laughs> there was a, a McDonald's catacorner opposite the stage door of the Alice Street Theater. And we were there three times a day on t during tech. It was great. That is a whole thing for me. So Amy Kaplow introduced me to the filet of fish sandwich. <laughs> and when I smell stage makeup, I want French fries. Mm. I just make that association. I, I, I make the same association between the smell of grease paint and the desire for French fries. It's wow. just, it's a connection that's very, a, a strong bond. Yeah. But it's also amazing that, yeah, yes, we stuck at the stayed with the theater, all three of us, but none of us are 400 pounds. <laughs> I don't, I don't eat McDonald's anymore. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I am not ashamed to say that I love McDonald's, but I have not had it since Bob retired from teaching seven years ago it used to be a thing where i'd be driving over to rehearsal at ensignal high school with the kids in tow and we would stop and pick up mcdonald's on our way to rehearsal that was like my excuse i've got the kids in tow we're going to rehearsal i didn't have time to make dinner but it's bad it was bad 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 i don't i don't eat it anymore um, so i cannot sad. say that <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had a burger, but I've had many, many an egg McMuffin. Uh, is is the Nutcracker part of uh, your current holiday rituals, or do you have other holiday rituals that have um, replaced it? 
uh, no, it is not part of my current. Although I, I went through a, I went through a period in my teens mostly where I was fascinated by other versions of the Nutcracker, mm. and and I, I was intrigued by the whole idea of other versions that it was open to interpretation and different productions uh, were. I mean, even down to the, such basic things as in one version she's called Clara. In another version, she's called Marie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very intrigued by the idea of things being open to interpretation and doing different versions, and that kind of thing. That, and so I loved watching all the various, all the various ones that I could find or see on TV and elsewhere. Uh, but mm, it's been a long time. I kind of grew out of it. It's been a long time since I've seen a Nutcracker, and I and and I, I'm not sure that I have any real, real holiday traditions, but. But more recently, they've been movies. It's a Wonderful Life, The Bishop's Wife, those yep. kinds of things. Cool. Um, well, a few things. The Nutcracker is still very near and dear to my heart. I don't, I don't have a tradition of going to see the Nutcracker still. When I do go to see it, um, it's very emotional for me. Just the music. Yeah. The music, not necessarily seeing it because various reasons, um, but um, the music is just, uh, I don't know, it's at a cellular level yeah. that is emotional for me. Um, and I danced in it for, for so long. But for my high school dance program about 12 years ago, I choreographed my own version of it, which I had always wanted to do. And it was called the Nutcracker Spring. And it was a story about a girl. It took place on a, a girl's 13th birthday. And I was very um, proud of that. Um, the other thing that I realized a number of years ago is that because I, we were not raised with any particular religion, when people start asking me about my culture, I realized that no neckcracker is a very very much of cultural significance for me. So at holiday time, um nutcracker is my religion. It always yeah. was for like Ooh. 20 years. So I have nutcrackers and ballerinas, uh, so many of them on my Christmas tree. Ooh. And if if somebody were to ask me to bring in something of significant of cultural significance for me, a nutcracker might be something I would definitely bring in. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that's great. And, you know, dancing Clara in the Nutcracker in, in multiple productions was very much a, um, you know, a um, turning point. Ooh. Huh? Speaking of the movie, um, a significant moment in my life. And, you know, I practiced in my living room with my Snoopy and, you know, meant so much to me so um you know it goes deep that's it for this week's reduced shakespeare company podcast except for one more thing which i'll share with you in about 60 seconds so stick around 
Send us your holiday traditions via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. You can also follow Amy Moorhead on Instagram at amyktmoore and John Titchener at johnthetitch. Thanks, as always, to not-a-titchener, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand, and this week by Spike Jones, whose version of The Nutcracker is essential listening this time of year. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Christopher Rodell. No reason. It's just random. Special thanks to our mother, Kay Titchener, the author of the color and activity book, Ballet, who recorded that blurb less than a month before she died in 2010. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 836 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. It was probably the first year I did Fritz, who, for folks who don't know, was... Uh, Clara's bratty brother who breaks the doll. And um, so I just, there was this one time when the act, the woman who was playing the governess in the middle of the act one party scene fell down. She lost her balance and she fell down and she was, she was wearing a big, huge hoop skirt and she could not get up. And in real life, of course, I, I am a very kind and empathetic person. And, but on stage, I just followed my instinct and I pointed at her and I laughed. And I got all the other little kids to point at her and laugh while the other adults on stage kind of figured out how to get her up back up on her feet. And so it turned into kind of a Dickensian comic moment. And, but I was just doing what instinct told me to do, which was being a little hellion. And of course I, and then afterwards, um, you know, all the adults were like, oh, that was great. You stayed in character. And so that whole idea of staying in character was like, oh, that just came naturally to me. I mean, it was, so that was a very, very formative, like, oh, okay. I'm kind of starting to understand how the, you adopt a different personality. You, you stay in the moment. It was all very formative. It was, it was uh, very, it has really stuck with me. I thought you were going to say she was pissed. I don't know. I don't believe she was. Oh, good, good. I remember that that story too, and I and I think and I thought I remember oh, the old okay. woman. The old woman herself had told you that was great. That's probably true. And and by old woman, you probably are talking about somebody who is younger <laughs> than I am now. Right. She was thirty-four <laughs> playing. Right. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.